We love to be a truly intergenerational church, and as much as we love to have opportunities for the kids to have their own time together, uh, we also love when we get to be together, and, and it's a little bit more of a cuddle time, so if you're close to somebody, you can just snuggle up and, and get close, and it's all part of being a spiritual family together. Uh, my name is Kurt. I'm also one of the pastors here, and uh, if you have been with us this fall, you know we've been working through some uh, of what I've been calling key learnings from the summer. We, we did a series called uh, Real Life Together Unpacked. Uh, and talked about uh, another phrase I've been using is big rocks, you know, three big rocks that I felt like God gave me through the summer. Uh, and those are that we would need to learn how to travel light, uh, that we need to pursue shared experiences together, that we need to be able to get really good at understanding and doing soul care well. And then last week, Greg was able to share some of his stories from the summer and the three big rocks that they got to visit in South Dakota and some of the lessons that God has been leading them. And so we thank Greg for being able to bring the word last week. Uh, one of the things that we were doing through the summer as well as we invited anybody who wanted to is to read the book called In Search of Deep Faith uh, by Jim Belcher. And if you didn't read it this summer, uh, it's not too late. You can still pick one up on Amazon, anywhere you can find one. It's a great book. Uh, we're going to be kind of mining this through the year, I think, and pulling out particular lessons for us that might be helpful. A, a, a part of the challenge of the story that uh, Pastor Belcher talks about is he takes the, his family on a year-long sabbatical journey with this question as, as as a parents of young kids, how do we raise our kids in a, in a postmodern world to, to know what it means to have a deep faith? And I think that's part of our heart here at Faith Covenant Church, too, is we want to raise our kids and we want to raise the next generation of believers to have a real and effective faith, not just a, a surfacey kind of touristy faith, but something that is real and abiding and, and something that we get to invite other people to experience together. And that's part of the challenge that I have coming back from a summer renewal time. How do we get there? How do we change our experience of life in ways that allows us to more effectively live into a deep and abiding faith with Jesus Christ? And in his book, before he even starts, in the early flyleaf of the passage, he gives kind of his theme verse. And, and I just want to live with this verse for a few minutes together today. He, he takes us to Jeremiah 6, chapter 16. And, and he says in this verse, in Jeremiah, it says, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God is conducting a conversation here in the Old Testament with his people. And, 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 and he says, stand at the crossroads. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I feel like we all come to these crossroad moments in our lives. We're heading along through life and we think we're on a, a good path, but all of a sudden there's, a, there's another path that comes along and, and, and we, we have to stop and we have to wonder, well, which way should we go? And sometimes those crossroad moments in our life are, are accompanied by confusion and anxiety and sometimes even very painful experiences that cause us to question whether the path we're on is really the best path for our life. You ever been at a, a crossroad moment in your life? I know I have. 
See, these can also become moments of greater clarity where, where God can break into our life in a new way because somehow he's allowed us to, to, to question enough to be able to discover new answers if we're willing to listen to the voice of his spirit in our lives. Now, I, I've kind of been sharing with you all as I come back from this summer break that, that I'm feeling like this is a crossroad moment in my life. Right? I feel like God has opened the door for some new possibilities to head in some new directions. And I've been inviting us together as a faith community to consider this, this new direction that God might be leading us to experience together. And yet I also know that, that crossroad moments are not always easy because it's not always clear how to move forward in new ways to travel light and to say no to some of the things that might be good things in our lives, but maybe aren't God's best things for us, to, to be able to, to unpack our schedules enough that we have room to actually pursue shared experiences with our families and with people in our neighborhoods and with people in our own church. So we're not just getting on the tour bus and coming to church every Sunday, but never really getting involved in, in the lives of people around us. And to be able to understand how important and critical it is that we invest in, in taking care of our own souls first and putting the oxygen mask on ourselves so we actually have something of value to offer to those that we love most and to serve God together. But I want to confess to you this morning as well as we look at this passage in Jeremiah that I'm also feeling the challenge that it's one thing to identify key learnings and big rocks and it's a completely other thing to put them into practice in my life, right? It's, it's one thing to, to learn about the things that God might be wanting us to do, and it's a completely other thing to say yes and to, to commit to following through and to putting it into real lifestyle change in the way that I live my life, in the way that I invest in my own family and in my own relationships, I mean, if you think about these phrases, a, a key learning, what's a key? A key, it opens a door, right? But you have to open the door and walk through. It doesn't do any good to have a key if you don't open the door and walk through the door. Or, or a big rock, is a, it's a foundational rock. It's something that you can build upon. But if you put these big rocks down and you never build anything on it, what good does it do? And so the challenge I think that this passage has for me, and I want to invite you to consider whether this passage has a challenge for you this morning, is that these key challenges for me and perhaps for us as a faith community is that we don't just be hearers of the word, as James says, but we learn how to become doers of God's word again. Now, it's interesting if you really look at this passage, the first command in this passage is to stand right? To stand at the crossroad. He doesn't say, all right, go, walk, run. He says, stop where you are. Pause. Take a rest. Pay attention to what's going on in your life. Look. Take a new perspective on what's happening. Are, are, are you really walking the path that you want to be walking in your life right now? What is the fruit that your life is producing? And is it what you hoped it would be? Is it God's best for your life? Is there possibly more that you've been longing for, wishing for, but you haven't really known how to get there? Stop at the crossroad and wait for God. Don't run ahead of him, but be willing to look and pay attention at that crossroad of life because it could be an opportunity 
for you to hear the voice of God in your life in a whole new way. When we find ourselves at crossroad moments in our lives, God's invitation is to stand and to look. I think too often we want to rush to conclusions and jump to solutions and go into action, but but we might be missing the invitation that God has to learn a whole new way of doing life together. God wants us to wait on him. And then after you've taken the time to to stop and to look, to pause, to get honest with yourself and honest with God about where you're at in your life, then go, right? Then run. Then, is that what it says? No. So you stop, you look, and then what do you do? You ask. You ask for the ancient paths. You ask where the good way is. Because in our own wisdom and our own strength, we get it wrong so much of the time. We don't understand that that God wants us to experience the deep faith of ancient historical people that he has been encouraging and calling through the centuries. And that same faith is the faith he invites us to experience and to pass on to other people. But in our busyness, in our hecticness, in the materialism of our culture, we get so distracted. And sometimes even the good things that we think we're doing in the name of God might be getting in the way of the best things that God wants us to be pursuing. We need to pause and look, but then we need to ask him to reveal what the next step is on our journey with him. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God's people are being reminded that God has not been silent. God is a God who speaks. God is always speaking. He's spoken through his prophets. He's spoken through his word. He speaks through his Holy Spirit. He speaks to us this morning. The question is, are we listening? And if we're hearing God, are we willing to respond and say yes to his leading in our lives? See, the, the, the Hebrew people struggled with this as well. God was speaking to them, and yet they, they struggled, they resisted, they, they would either ignore his word or they'd outright reject it and go in a different way. And are we really all that different ourselves? See, he asks his people to stop and to consider the current direction of their lives. These ancient Israelites who he called to be a people set apart to create a culture that was different than the world around them so that God's goodness and God's glory and his good news message could arrive through his son, Jesus. And because of that, we all get to be a part of that today. He's asking them, and I think he's asking us as we read these ancient words today, where is your life heading today? What is the current fruit that you're experiencing? And is it everything that it could be? Or is it everything that God wants it to be? Later in verse 20 of this chapter, God says, your burnt offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices do not please me. Ouch. God, that hurts. What do you mean? We come to church every Sunday. We pay our tithe. We, we, we show up at church and we, we serve on three teams and we're, we're doing all that we can. But, but what do you mean our sacrifices are not acceptable? What do you mean it's not pleasing to you? Everything that we're doing is to try and please you. 
But you see, God is telling his, his beloved people that he called to be his own people is that they haven't taken his instruction, his, his Torah, his law to heart in a way that it allows them to be transformed from the inside out so that, that it's not some religious rule keeping that they're doing to check it off the list and somehow say, hey, didn't we do a good thing for God? It's to, to discover that God wants his heart in their heart he wants them to discover that he has given his spirit to empower them to experience life in a whole new way. See, God says that religious activities are just an outward show of religion without an inward reality. And men and women, how much of our own experience of religious life is the outward show, but we're missing the inward reality and if you want an experience of deep faith, God says that the door is open. He's given us the key to open the door, and that's through his son Jesus to abide with him. A deep faith comes from a relationship with God and allowing his heart to become our heart and to say yes to his instruction so that we trust that his will for our life is really for our best and our goodness. Sometimes we need to pause and to look and to ask God to shine his light on our path again, to be reminded of his ancient paths and what the good way is. Now, now there's another aspect to this passage here that, that scholars suggest uh, as we look at Jeremiah's word is that, that the word of Jeremiah to God's people wasn't just to individual Israelite believers. It was to the community of God's people. And sometimes in our individualistic society, we can, we can listen to God's word and we can apply it to ourselves alone and we can wrestle with that in our own lives, but we don't really think about the person sitting next to us. And we don't think about how it impacts the community around us. See, the, the, the challenge of God is also to the collective direction that our faith community is going. And the reality is that the biblical challenge reminds us that we are all contributing to the culture of our faith community, whether we realize it or not. You understand that? We are all contributing to the culture of our faith community, whether we realize it or not, either by what we contribute or what we withhold. Now, I want to just give a word of caution there because that uh, can quickly go to a performance mentality, right? Uh, what, if you're contributing and you're, you're putting in your time, you get brownie points. And if you're not contributing and you're not putting in your time, you don't get brownie points. And so it's a call to, to spend more time working in the church. That's not what it's saying. When we think about how we create a culture a spiritual family together, we have to look through the lens of Scripture and through God's eyes and ask, what are we contributing to the lives of other people? And what are we withholding that is not allowing us to contribute to the lives of other people? It's a very different question than, you know, how much time are you serving in the institutional church, right? See, the question of what we're contributing or not contributing to the culture of our church, to our faith community, rests more on whether we're helping one another to discover the ancient paths of God. To discover the good way that actually brings wholeness and healing to our lives, that allows the good news of Christ to overflow to people who are living in a dark and a hurting world. And when we discover those ancient paths, you know, you know what comes with that? Joy and excitement and passion because we'll see the Spirit of God working through the lives of God's people and we'll be discovering the very purpose for why God called us 
to be his own. Sometimes we need to stop at the crossroad. We need to look at our lives and we need to look at our faith community and we have to ask these hard questions of what does it mean to be effective as a faith community and not just busy? What does it mean to truly invest my life in the life of another person? And am I doing good at being a wise steward of the gifts that God has given me in terms of my time and my talents and my treasure? Because if we're not willing to be honest with ourselves and honest with God, we may miss the opportunity that God is inviting to experience a whole new direction for our life and our faith community that could be inspiring and joy-filled and purpose-filled, even though it might be also challenging and hard. We have to be reminded how we are choosing to participate and interact as a part of a faith community because we've called this our church home, if this is your church home, and we are actively creating each other's experience of church by what we choose to contribute. We are actively, in this moment, choosing each other's experience of faith covenant church by how we are contributing to the culture of this community. Now, last week, Greg reminded us that we are all created by God in Christ Jesus as his workmanship, right? We are created for good works that he's prepared us in advance to do, and he's given us the gift of his spirit to empower us to live this out so that we don't have to do it in our own wisdom and strength. He's given us everything we need to say yes and to follow through on this call, but yet we still struggle to understand that he's given us the key to the door, but we struggle to know how to walk through it. We're reminded over and over again in the Bible that a large part of our testimony is not only about our personal faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but on how his call in our lives challenges us to live in community differently. By living more intentionally in loving and caring relationships and having a sense of responsibility for the spiritual welfare of one another. You know, I came back from the summer with a lot of questions. Here's another question that I I don't have an easy answer to. I wonder, is a large part of the loss of the influence of the Christian church in American culture part of the fact that we have lost an understanding how to actually walk the ancient paths together? Is it possible that that we don't know how to invite somebody into the good way that God would have for them because we're not even sure how to walk in the good way ourselves anymore? You know, we've been conditioned to do a lot of churchy activity and be busy doing religious things, but we're missing the deeper opportunity that God has for us to be actually investing our lives in the spiritual welfare of somebody else. And if we're not investing our lives in someone else, if we're not actually loving our neighbor... Are we really loving God? And the Bible questions that for us, right? How can you love a brother or a sister whom you have seen? Or how can you love a God you haven't seen if you can't even love a brother or sister you have seen? How are we invited to lean into one another's lives as a way of discovering the ancient path, the good path, the place where we meet God at our deepest point of need? And how do we know? How will we know? God says, ask, and he'll tell you. Just ask God, and he'll tell you. 
But then comes the rub. Where the rubber meets the road, right? We stop, we look, we pay attention, we ask God, God shows up, God answers, and then what do we do? Thanks, God, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's what I do over and over again. This is why this is so hard for me. Because even those good things that, that I've been doing in my life, that maybe God is saying you need to let go of some of those things and move into these new things, I, I still go, no, nah, I think I want to keep doing this. <laughs> Sometimes we're just in a rut, right? It's become so ingrained in us. And men and women, I know that, that I'm not as old as all of you, but I know I am no spring chicken anymore. But the older we get, the deeper our ruts get. Amen? Thank you. God doesn't want you in a rut no matter how old you are. God wants you to be free and he wants you to experience his spirit in your life. And men and women, the older we are, the more gifts we have to give away. And if you're not investing the gifts of a lifetime in the next generation, then you're squandering what God has given you. We've got to figure this out. We've got to connect ourselves across the generations. And the only way I can say to do it is we've got to learn how to travel lighter and let go of some things. And we've got to invest in shared experiences. And we've got to work on getting good at doing soul care. And we've got to help each other with that. I need your help because I'm not doing it very well myself. But this is why God has given us the gift of Christian community. The final step in actually stepping out is responding to God's word in our life. When God shows up and we hear his voice, we say yes. And yes, it requires a work of obedience. Yes, it requires us to submit our will to somebody else's will, which is the hardest thing for us to do, especially as American people, right? (laughs) It's my will and it's my way. And you see that in our little kids, right? We're not all that different. We cry, we whine, and we throw a fit with God, but I don't want to do it. But God says, if you put your trust in me, you respond to say yes to my leading, what you'll discover is the ancient paths that I've been sharing for centuries is the good path, and you will find rest for your soul. You will find rest for your soul. Do you want rest for your soul? I want rest for my soul. Dr. Charles Stanley, in an article that he has on uh, Uversion, if you go to our Uversion event on the app today, there's a link to his, uh, an app on peace that you can be reading along this next week if you'd like to. He says, too often there seems to be no adequate answers to our human dilemma especially the question of why we feel so empty, void, and lacking peace. Furthermore, there appears to be no satisfactory reason for us to keep putting out our best efforts and still suffering with life's adversities. Some will identify this deep need by saying, I'm so lonely. Some would say, if my spouse would only love me as he, she should, then I'd be happy. Different variations, but all the same melody. There's something wrong. I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I have no peace. What's wrong with me? Ever ask that question of yourself? (laughs) No, I do. What is wrong with me? 
We're constantly bombarded, he says, with society's claims. If you were only thinner, dressed with more style, drove a Jaguar, lived in a better part of town, made more money, the list goes on and on. But none of the aforementioned highly prized answers to our problems or any of the hundreds of others offered to us can permanently and satisfactorily provide us with what we most desperately need. And he concludes by saying, until you have peace with God, you will never experience true peace in this life. Until you have peace with God, you will never experience true peace in this life. Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus' gift to you and to me is a deep, abiding inner peace, no matter what this world throws at us. See, the peace that comes from God, as opposed to the peace that is touted in the world, Jesus said, is something only he can give. You can't find it anywhere else. There's only one place, there's only one source, and there's only one way, and it's through him, and it's at the feet of the cross that we have to come to receive God's gift of peace, and he gives it freely. There's no cost. He already paid it. There's nothing else you have to do other than say yes to Jesus. Jesus told his disciples that in this world, they would have trouble, Right? And in fact, if they persecuted Jesus, they're going to persecute his followers. Life isn't going to be easy. Jesus knew that. He didn't say it was going to be a cakewalk or a stroll through a rose garden. Jesus didn't go happily skipping to the cross throwing rosebuds, right? Life is difficult. Life is hard. But if you put your faith in Jesus, even in the midst of the challenges of life, you can have peace, which is what we all most deeply need peace that comes from God. When fears and anxieties and troubles arise in your life, the reminders to you and to me that what we need most is God's peace. And therefore we should be motivated to go back to Jesus to rediscover that source of peace in our lives. Those moments may become crossroad moments when God invites you, God invites me to stop and to look and to ask again, God, remind me, what is the good way? The ancient path that will lead me to a deeper experience of my faith with you, one that can weather every storm. What are the ancient paths and the good way for you and for your family and for our church in this season? We need to ask God. But I think we, he's giving us some indicators. I think we need to learn to, to travel light and to pursue shared experiences and to invest in our own soul care. See, see the passage ch- closes with a very poignant critique and challenge that I feel very personally. You said we will not walk in it. It's not that God has not shown up. It's not that God has not spoken into our lives. It's not that God has not offered his help and his salvation. When push comes to shove, it comes down to whether or not we have been willing to say yes to God's will and God's leading in our lives. And until we can get honest with ourselves about that, 
We're just going to continue to do the touristy Christian thing, thinking that somehow it's going to make a change in our lives. God's word always gets right to the heart of the matter, and the heart of the matter is always the human heart. It's not about religious rules and rituals. It's not about have-tos or should-haves. It's about the willingness in our own hearts to be touched by the one who can change us and the one who can heal us and to allow his spirit to do his work in our lives. Men and women, God's challenge is always an invitation. An invitation to experience a new life in Christ through the power of his spirit at work in us, changing us from the inside out, exchanging his life for our own. When we come to Holy Communion, we are reminded that every moment we come to the cross of Christ, it's a crossroad moment where we have a choice to make, to lay down our crown in order to receive the crown of Christ in our lives. And so I invite you to stop this morning as you come to this holy table, to look at your life, to ask God where the good way is for you this morning. And when he says, this is the way to go, say, yes, I will follow. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we are always humbly in need of your grace and your mercy in our lives. We desire a deep faith, God, an abiding experience of your power at work in us. And and we ask for your forgiveness and your grace this morning and for the ways that we have turned our back on you or said yes, but then not followed through or the ways that we are confused or lost or hurting. And we ask for your help and your hope in us again this morning. God, teach us how to follow you as true disciples of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.